Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for Okay, welcome to another exciting adventure of Bible study. Yay! And now in 1 Peter 2, and we're in verse 11, how we're supposed to live before the world. He says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. But I love it how Peter calls the believers beloved. Anybody that's a believer in Jesus should be beloved. By you. We're going to spend eternity together. I think we should be able to get right with one another today and love each other now because we're going to have to be doing it forever. I know a lot of people, they hate the church. They hate everybody that calls himself a Christian, yet they claim to be one. Like, you've got times coming, buddy. (laughs) If you can't love us now, you're not going to love us in eternity later. So it's not right for us to be in contention with one another, whether it's over politics or where to go out to eat, or whatever the color of the carpet is, and all that kind of, that we find reasons to fight and argue. We should not be in contention with each other, because we're supposed to be beloved. And I just want to ask point blank a question. Do you love going to church, or you go to church because somebody made you get up and come do it? There's a lot of people that say, well, I don't like church because, uh, or I don't like that church down the street or whatever, because they don't do things the way we do it. Well, guys, all believers should be beloved, meaning you should enjoy being around them whether they do things a little different or not. We should enjoy being around each other. We're too closed off these days, and the more closed off we allow ourselves to get, the more ungodly we become. Be careful turning on that TV and watching this party badmouth that party and that party badmouth this party, and the division widens, and I don't like them, and now you're falling into it, okay? It's not godly stuff. Believers are beloved means we should actually like them enough to want to be around them. So you are my beloved. I will call you my beloved. Even if I just met you today, you are my beloved in the body of Christ. You're better than just friends in the body of Christ. We are eternally bound. So Peter said we are to live a life together as sojourners and pilgrims. Now, I like to define words rather than just fire them off. A sojourner is a temporary resident. A pilgrim is somebody who travels to a sacred place. Now, as believers in Jesus, we are traveling to a sacred place of eternal life ahead, and so this world is very temporary. We are temporary residents here. Don't make this your home. The more you try to make this place home, the more frustrated you're going to be. And there's a lot of people out there that are frustrated as all get out. You know why? Because they're trying to make this place home and it just ain't working out. This is not home. Don't act like you're going to stay here. I once lived in this apartment 
And it was not a very uh, permanent situation for me. It was a very temporary situation at the time. There were problems with the AC. The floors weren't all that great. The cabinets, oh my gosh, I think the cabinets was probably the worst part of the whole apartment. I could tell by the carpet, too, that the guy that lived there before me had pets. But guys, I didn't put any money into fixing everything up. That wasn't mine. It was an apartment. I was a temporary guy there. I didn't throw all my funds into fixing that place. I was going to stay there for a short time, so it was not worth wasting all my time and all my resources for something that wasn't even mine. Now, the house I live in today, that's a very different story. My house belongs to me. I bought it. It belongs to me. And it had a terrible AC system. But I invested time in that AC to have the whole thing torn out, all the, all the duct work, everything, all of it gutted out and had a whole new AC put in. We've had the entire outside of the house renovated. We went from rotten wood to hardy plank because squirrels love soft wood. Now when they try to bite hardy plank, they break their teeth off. And so we also had a new roof put on the house as well. I've hung up blinds. We've put in new flooring. We put in a new refrigerator, and I'm thinking about it. What was it? a new refrigerator? We've got a new dishwasher, uh, a new washer and dryer. We've had foundation work done. Um, it, it's almost like it's a totally new house now. <laughs> it's not even the same one. We've done so much work, but that's our permanent home right here. But that apartment was not. It was very temporary. Peter reminds us that in this world, we are sojourning pilgrims. We are temporary residents who are passing through to a destination that's sacred ahead. Don't act like you're going to stay here. It's not worth our time, and it's not worth our resources to get all caught up in the worldly, fleshly lusts that are down here. If you're getting caught up in fleshly lusts, you're investing yourself You're investing all your energy, your time, and your resources in the wrong place. Now, when I see people completely giving themselves over to what the world throws at them, it looks about as crazy as somebody trying to renovate an apartment that they're only going to live in for six months. So our focus should be more set on what's ahead than where we are. But Peter said fleshly lusts. Guys, I'm just going to go ahead and hit you with it. Fleshly lust is definitely pornography. It can also be the obsessive pursuit of money to where it becomes a false God worship. Anything you put above God to benefit yourself that I want to have, that can be a fleshly lust. When I lived in that apartment, I did not fall in love with the kitchen cabinets, believe me. Why do we give ourselves to things that are temporary? Why would we do it? We need to give ourselves to things that matter longer for eternal It makes no sense that if we're from here, if we're just passing through to eternal life, why do we invest ourselves so much into things that are sinful? Now, if you saw me investing a lot of time and a lot of money into renovating a temporary apartment that did not belong to me, your advice to me would be, Ray, don't put all your money in this thing. You're moving out in about five or six months anyway. Well, what should I do? Go buy a house. I'm kind of suggesting the same thing. Don't give yourself over to fleshly lust. Don't invest your time and all your effort and your resources into something that's just going to take from you, and it's never going to be yours. Invest in something that's going to be yours and eternal life ahead. Peter is saying, don't do this. He's saying, don't invest in fleshly lust. Don't let those things have you. These lusts war against your soul. 
is what is the soul. A lot of people don't know the difference in a soul and a spirit. They think it's the same thing. It's really not. I've got a whole teaching y'all should listen to sometime. Maybe I should come back and do it again about the three parts we're made of. We're made up of body, spirit, and mind, or which is also soul. Soul and mind is the same thing. When God created a person, he took a body, flesh, he took a spirit. When he put them together, a soul was produced. It was a mind that's capable of making decisions and free will. It's kind of like it, you don't get mud until you put dirt and water together. So I didn't just call all of you mud, though. Don't take me wrong. He's calling me mud. But the soul is where you make decisions. I choose to go this way instead of that way. I choose not to let the fleshly lust have me. Paul wrote about this in Romans 7.23. He says, but I see another law in my body warring against the law of my mind. That's also soul right there. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my body. So sin is in your body, okay? But your mind has to make a decision on whether it's going to give in to that lust or not. You've got to make that decision. So Peter and Paul, they're writing in agreement with each other that even a saved believer can be tempted by fleshly lust. Peter is saying, don't, don't give in to these fleshly lusts. Make a good decision in your soul. Make a good decision in your mind. I'm not going to let that lust have me today. See, this is what Jesus people look like. They're not always giving in to the temptations all the time. They're choosing not to, not to give in to that. So Paul said in Romans 7.24, he said, Who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the body of death is where the sin is at. You're going to leave this body behind. You're going to leave it here, and you're going to go on. But your soul, which is your character, the decisions you've made and the rewards that you get from it, that's going to go on with you, with your spirit, right? But Peter warned us that fleshly lust will tempt even a believer. Even believers get tempted. Don't think for a minute that me standing up here as a pastor means I am absolutely unable to be tempted. I am able to be tempted all the time, okay? But we have to be careful because this lust will wage war on your soul, he said. These fleshly lusts, they wage war on your soul, on your mind. Now think about it for a minute. It wages war on your mind. Why does it wage war on your mind? Why does the temptation wage war on the mind? Why doesn't it wage war on the spirit? The reason it wages war on the mind is because if sin wins the free will decision, then the body gets the sinful pleasure that it wants to enjoy. If you listen to the Holy Spirit who indwells you in your spirit, and he tells you, no, don't give in to the sin, then with your mind, you can make the free will decision to say no to the lust, and then sorry, body, you're not going to get your pleasure today. This is why lust wars against your soul. It's trying to win the decision so the body can get what it wants. Peter is warning us, be disciplined in your decision-making process. A lot of people today make bad choices, and the choices they make is because the body is saying, I want this, I want this, I want this. But then you got these people that say things like this. They say, well, it's my life. I can do whatever I want to. That is not a quote that real believers say. That's what selfish people say. Abstaining from fleshly lusts has an actual purpose to it. And he goes on to explain in 1 Peter 2 and 12, it's about our conduct, guys. Look at this. 
says, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Yeah, there's a lot in here. So it's, it's, all, it's all about me, my life. I can do what I want. No, it's not all about you because there's other people watching. Now, Peter was writing specifically to a Jewish audience, and these Jews were trying to reach Gentiles who are non-Jews. They were primarily pagans. They were primarily following false gods. But he told them, here's why you need to abstain from fleshly lust. Not just don't do it because I said so, but here's why you should do it. Because lust affects your conduct. When you're sitting at home at that computer and nobody knows what you're doing, nobody's going to see because nobody's here, and you misuse that computer, and then you go on about your day, that computer just affected your conduct. And now they're going to see it anyway. People are going to watch you, and they're going to see something about that guy, and they're going to put two and two together. You think nobody's watching you do that? Oh, they're going to see it because they're, it's affecting your conduct. Peter's reasoning for why they should cut the lust out of their life is so they could maintain an effective testimony in front of unbelievers. How many here who says, I'm a Christian, wants an effective testimony? When people look at me, I want them to say, that must be a real believer. I need to ask him about Jesus. How many people want that? I want it. Okay, the stuff you do behind closed doors that you think, well, nobody knows about. Peter said, this is going to affect your conduct. You will lose that testimony. So if you want to take your testimony for Jesus and just dump it out and lose it, then go ahead and keep playing that game. It will affect your, your conduct. I don't care how Christian you say you are. I don't care how devout you claim to be or how serious you want people to believe what you say about the Lord. If you allow fleshly lust to have dominance in your mind, then your decisions will start to reflect that lust. And then when you tell people how Christian you are, they will not believe you. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. And they're thinking, then why do you act like this? Lust is messing you up. It got in your mind. It got in your soul. Peter said, don't let these lusts have your mind. In fact, most people that call themselves Christians are blowing it. They're out there blowing it. They're getting into fights over politics. They're getting in fights over social media. They're misusing that computer. They're verbally abusing people or whatever all it is. It's behind closed doors, so no, nobody knows I'm doing it. But when they out there make it living their life and calling themselves Christian, people look at them and they say, I, I just don't buy it. We have so many people today that just don't believe us. They don't believe us when we tell them how wonderful Jesus really is. Well, if Jesus is as wonderful as you claim to be, Ray, then how come you look so defeated all the time? How come you're so depressed all the time? How come you're so upset all the time? How come you're always fighting with people? How come you're always in a debate? You're always in the middle of drama. And you tell me about Jesus, I don't buy it. Guys, our decisions affect everything. When the lust gets in there, messes it up, you tell people, well, let me tell you about Jesus. And they're like, I don't believe you. When I tell people about Jesus, I want them to believe me. How can people believe in Jesus when those who claim to be believers look just as trashy as the world does? Living the Christian life God's way, 
Don't look at me and go, well, I'm going to do what Ray does, and, and that must be a Christian. Don't you put me as the standard, because I'll mess up somewhere. You keep your standard in God's Word. Even when I mess up, you keep it in God's Word. The Christian life is God's way, disciplining ourselves to make better decisions the way the Lord God wants us to, keeping the fleshly lusts out of our head. And friends, when you live like this, that is a very powerful way of convicting the world of its own sin. Now they're going to look at you and go, there's something about that person that is genuine that I really want. How do they do this? And they're going to ask you about Jesus one day, and you're going to tell them, and they'll believe you because your honorable conduct will draw them in which he goes into, let me show you Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So Peter's saying the same thing that Matthew here just said. He says, keep your conduct well-disciplined according to God's word. Don't you base it on me. Don't base it on the best person in the room according to God's word. Discipline yourself to that so that your works and every decision you make will be like an attractive light. But Peter said, when, when they do come to snap at you, when he said, when they do come to speak against you, okay, and people will do this, they're going to talk bad about you. When they come to snap at you for being the arrogant hypocrite that they think you are, once they see your good works, then they have undeniable proof that God really does bless your life, and then they will have to rethink their accusations. And then they're going to want to know who Jesus is. And if your testimony, if your conduct is honorable, that will draw them into believing Jesus. Then they will be able to glorify God, he said, in the day of visitation. That's what we want people to be able to do. We want them to glorify God in the day of visitation. Okay, great, Ray, keep rolling. But what? stop, wait a minute, what is the day of visitation? <laughs> That's the day when the Lord God is going to pay the world a visit. You ever have somebody acting up and say, hey, do I need to pay you a visit over there? You kids goofing off in the backseat, I'll pull this car over. I will pay you a visit. You ever, you ever heard it put like that? He's going to pay the world a visit for its sin. And guys, that is going to be a terrifying, terrifying day of judgment for those who have rejected the Lord. Jesus once wept over Jerusalem's sin He told them that a day of judgment was coming over what the world has done. I want you to look at this when we're thinking about the visitation. Luke 19 and 43. Jesus said, For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. This visitation, it means, is synonymous with a coming judgment, and it's not going to be pretty. So the sinful people of Jerusalem, on that day, they would be terrified of that day of visitation, because that was their destruction. Peter was paralleling this. He was talking about a time when the Lord would come for a great day of visitation, when all those who hated the Lord were going to be terrified and they would be destroyed by the wrath of God. Let me take a pause real quick. Anybody out there who has not received Jesus, this Christian thing is something you just don't care about and it is not your thing. You've got a day of visitation coming. You may be laughing now, but you won't laugh then. 
You may laugh your way into hell, but you will not laugh your way out. Be warned. So this warning, those who hated the Lord would be leveled and destroyed by God's wrath. But Peter said that the godly conduct of a real believer can help the unbelievers to become saved by Jesus so that they would not be terrified on the day of visitation. They will not be destroyed on the day of visitation. He said, rather, they will glorify God on the day of visitation. You're going to go one of two ways. You're going to be terrified of the Lord God coming, or you're going to be excited. You're going to be leveled or you're going to be lifted. Which way do you want? (laughs) We're going to be terrified at the Lord's return or we're going to glorify the Lord's return. And it all depends on if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or not. If you have friends that you want to see saved for real, abstain from fleshly lusts. Well, it's my life. I can do what I want to. It's not about you. We do this so that when they, the unbeliever, sees your good works, then they're going to want the Lord Jesus as their Lord too, so that when he returns to pay us a visit, they will glorify his return rather than dread it. See, Peter's saying your conduct, it's not just about you. It's all about them. Because when God comes back, They need to be found glorifying God, and you have a tremendous influence on how they're going to respond to that. Let me put it to you this way. Here's one. If you dread going to church, what do you think the Lord's big return is going to be like on the day of visitation? If you don't like the things of the Lord now, you're not going to like it then. On the day of visitation, you're going to dread it. You're going to be in terror of it. If you don't even like church, If you can't do that much, oh, you're really going to hate it when the Lord comes back. If you can't get this down now, you ain't going to like it later because this is of the Lord. This is the body of Christ, the believers. You know, he commands us to do it in Hebrews 10. Do not forsake the assembly of believers. He tells you, go to church. He's going to wipe the sin off this world. He's going to come and wipe it off. He's going to level it because he's going to set up his throne on Mount Zion, and he is not going to put up with the sin that's going on today. And everybody that refuses to let go of their sin, they're going to be wiped off along with their sin. Guys, we have a tremendous responsibility in our decision-making processes that we do every day to make better decisions in our soul, in our mind. I will not do this, but I would rather do that. And let's make it align with God's will because your conduct needs to be honorable according to God's word so that unbelievers who are watching you will be found to glorify God in the day of visitation. It's my love. It's not about you. It's about the Lord first and everybody else but you. You come last. (laughs) I'm last. I have to be a servant to all. Zephaniah 1.14, and I have the new, the NLT version, because I like the way they worded it. It says, that terrible day of the Lord is near. Swiftly it comes, a day of bitter tears, a day when even strong men will cry out.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.